0: Learning and growing in God. So pull up a chair and grab a cup of coffee, or in my case tea, and join us as we fellowship.
1: Understanding and reflecting today on Acts chapter 17, and specifically verse 24, we're going to kind of go into um, this aspect of unknowing God in relation to our relationship or interaction with the creation around us. The Bible says that the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament declares his handiwork. And we'll go into scriptures today. So today I wanted us to kind of meditate and hopefully by the end of this particular devotional today, as we're talking about the God of creation, that we'd be so amazed by God's awesomeness and God's power and his wisdom that we would begin to now humble our own selves when it comes to how we think about God. So what I wanted to do was I wanted to go to Acts. Chapter Seventeen, which is where we've been, and it's one verse that I kind of wanted to pull out. And like I said, this is going to be the chapter that we go through as we seek to better understand God. This whole idea of unknowing God—the intention of it is to get us to know God better. That's the goal. So some of us, you know, we've grown up in the context of church context, a uh, uh, some kind of re- uh, religious context where there is an image of God that has been created by all of us, okay? All of us have our own natural conceptions of God. But I think it's important for us as we draw ourselves closer um, to God, understanding his ways, understanding God's involvement, being able to fully define what what it means when God says he loves and cares about us as we're going through different things in our life. Sometimes zooming out and understanding the the, the grand heavenly definition of what God means by that and how he is displaying that every single day in our lives, whether we realize it or not, is going to help us to be able to uh, come into a better understanding of of what God means by that. So um, Acts chapter 17 and one verse that we're going to meditate on, Acts 17, 24, and this is the New Living Translation. It says, he is God who made the world and everything in it. He is the Lord of heaven and earth. He does not live in man-made temples. Okay, so just a little recap. Paul and Silas are traveling. They have come to Athens, and they are dealing with the, uh, the mindsets, the philosophical mindsets of the people in that time, okay? They're dealing with the, 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 the people who have gathered, and they've gathered, the Bible says, to talk about the latest ideas. So what's happening now is there's a lot of conversations going on right now, very similar to what is happening right now in our society. When you look at the social media, you listen, to, there's a lot of people talking about a lot of stuff. And it's very easy to get distracted from what really matters based on all the opinions that are going around, okay? Similar in this text, to the point that this kind of vexes Paul and Silas because he's like, I see that these people are, there's a curiosity about Religion. There's a curiosity about God. There's a curiosity there, but there's so many other things going on that you guys don't really see. The God just trying to make himself known amidst all the stuff that we have put up that we label him as. So, what Paul does is he goes through um, this dialogue with them and he starts to bring the attention to a statue that they've created. And this statue, they have labeled it to the unknown God. So Paul, by the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, uses their statue to make them aware of the God that they don't know. That in all of their efforts and all of their conversations and all of their uh, philosophies that they are and they are trying to pursue, trying to understand, trying to lay a hold of, he starts to say, "I'm going to tell you about the God you don't know. I'm going to share with you about the God that you don't know." And how he starts is, "This is the God that made the world." And everything in it. I, I think we need to stop right there. Just think about that. The God that we should be serving is the God that made the world and everything in it. I, I, let's let's just pause right there. I mean, this week for me was 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 a rough week for me emotionally, because you know every now and then you lose sight of. Uh, you just get so so overwhelmed by life sometimes overwhelmed by things that you can't control overwhelmed by circumstances that happen overwhelmed by you know trying to 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 meet goals and trying to achieve and trying to do things and things not really working out we all experience those things and this week i i was wrestling this week i was wrestling and well i'm starting to see a trend now so just to encourage everybody that's on here like honestly um we're in the same boat as you are we struggle, we wrestle, we're trying to figure it out too. The only reason why we're doing this because God put us in this place to do it. But at the end of the day, we're going through the same things that you guys are, and it gets heavy, it gets crazy, it gets depressing, it gets. And I'm just going to be real. That's just what it is. So we are all subject to God's uh, to God's sovereignty, to God's will, to to life itself. All of us are subject to that. So what God is trying to do with us this week as he's trying to remind us of how big he is. God is trying to remind us, just as he did through Paul in this 17th chapter of Acts. Starts out by this. He is the God who made the world and everything in it. Then he says, since he's the Lord of heaven and earth, he does not live in man-made time. And just if if we just reflect on that just for like a few a few seconds and try to like really think about that, like the grandeur of God. Now, put that up against what we're worried about. Put that level of faithfulness like that otherworldly faithfulness up against what we are concerned about, what we are nervous about whether God is going to come through, whether God really cares, whether God has a plan for us, and what does a plan mean. And when we talk about what we understand in, on earth and what we don't understand on earth and what we definitely don't understand in the heavens and in outer space and all that. So Paul starts by setting the foundation by which we should all be thinking about God and unknowing everything else about God. Like, this is the foundation right here. We are serving, or should be serving, the God who made the world, and not just the world, but everything in the world. That he's the reason why everything keeps going and the whole world consists. All of us, growing up, have heard, and I know some of us have heard some, some things. I remember when, when I was little, my adoptive mom used to, uh, when it was a thunderstorm, she was, used to tell us all to go to our room and be quiet and turn everything off because God was speaking. So I don't know if anybody else, you know, can relate to that idea of how something about a storm can make us feel okay. Here we go. Here we go. Everybody, yep, yep. You know, don't don't do anything. Just go and be quiet because there is a sobering aspect. Um, there is an awe. There is a terror about thunderstorms, right? And it wasn't until and and I, I kind of learned about what the magnitude and purpose of a storm is, which caused me to appreciate the fact that this is something that happens that may terrify me in one sense, but is necessary to my life in another." Right. So this whole idea of storms, this whole idea of God's amazingness when it comes to nature and when it comes to things that, quote unquote, we don't quite understand, or because of our frailty, right? Because of our frailty, because I was a little kid. and. It's lightning and, and it's just everybody go inside before you get struck by it and what's that noise? You have no control over that. You are helpless, you just have to just succumb to whatever that is. Understanding in the, behind all that, in the wisdom of God is God is perpetuating the water cycle, which we talked about before, which sustains our planet and our life. And not only that, is he all of that ruckus is actually causing fertilization of the things that you need to be able to eat and survive. So it just made me think about the fact that there's a choice that we're given in every aspect of our life. Hopefully this was like a revelation to some of us as we consider beyond the surface of what a storm is, there is God's wisdom in it. And that the fear that comes and the anxiety that comes and the terror that comes in what looks like this crazy thing is wisdom that actually God has put in place that's happening more frequently than just in your situation, that has a grander purpose, right? And it's actually for your good. I was amazed by the fact that a storm is happening every second. Like lightning is striking the earth once every second. And so, and so, so it's striking, like I think it was a thunderstorm this week for us out here, a few, a few storms out here. But somewhere else is a storm and somewhere else is a storm. So it kind of makes you think about the commonality of storms. And that storms are necessary, but they're also common. You think about storms in our own lives, right? They're necessary, but they're common. And the purpose of a storm is not just to bring terror. The purpose of a storm is to fertilize something, to bring good out of something. There's a divine purpose in everything that God is allowing us to go through. So just thinking about this whole idea and even, even I, had to, I had to check myself this week and with the encouragement of some very dear people, I had to, I had to, I had to recalibrate my mind and, and, and my, my thoughts as to um, the fact that, you know, I'm worried about my life. I'm worried about working hard and trying to make things happen and things not happening as, as soon as, as quickly as I want. And when is the payday going to come? And when are things... I go through the same thing. We all go through the same thing and I have to be reminded of the fact that, If God had a plan, an eternal plan for this earth that you're living in, then how could you be so arrogant to think that God is not that precise with your own life? So thinking about God in creation also calls us to think about God as the one who keeps it going. As the God whose wisdom perpetuates the growth. And the God whose wisdom makes everything consist So it's not like God is absent from his creation. He just created it and left. No, God is very hands-on and very involved in every aspect of what he created. Now let's look at real quick how easy, let's look at how easy it was for God to create everything we see and don't see. Let's go to Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. And that reads, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the waters. Now, let's let, let's let's go to verse three. What's verse three saying? Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. And God said, "Let there be light,"
0: and there was light.
1: Okay. So now let's let's pause right there. It has three words. And God said. Not and God did. God spoke it. And everything that we see came about. Now, I I know like this is like and and I'm praying that the revelation, of everything we saw this morning, all the worship we had this morning, all these clips. It wasn't a grand effort of God. God spoke it, and it became, and the order came with it. And this is the God of creation. Like, this is not the little gods that we create that we have to help. You know what I mean? Like, like the little, little you know, the, the money god, and, and and all these other things that we, we create. God doesn't need our help. He spoke. This is how easy it was for him to create everything that he created the whole world, and everything that it consists of. Bible says he spoke. So even now, as we're gathered together and sharing in this time, God is speaking. Mm -hmm. And he's speaking life to our brokenness. And he's speaking love into our life. And he's speaking his care to us. And he's speaking his forgiveness to us. He's speaking all these things to us. And it's not like you necessarily have to help it. But God has already created these things for us, for his glory. God has created this whole world and everything in it, and is revealing in his faithfulness to maintain it, that he will be just that faithful to us if we would only choose to prioritize him over ourselves. And I think that's, that's the call, right? The call is open your eyes. The call is look up in the sky and be confused. Yeah. yeah, Right. Right. Like it's like look up in the sky and wonder how and why and just understand that that's God. And that's the God that we are supposed to be serving, the only God that's worthy to be served and worshipped. And that's the God that cares and loves me. Romans one and twenty. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. What is that? What is that saying? Like, you know, the Bible also says a fool says in his heart, there is no God. Mm -hmm. It's impossible for you to look at anything else around you and even the things that we have made. Nothing that we have made would have been made without God first making what he made first. The houses that we build, that's trees. Everything was made by God, and God gives us the wisdom to make those things based on what he first made. And this same architect, this same uh, precision and supernatural wisdom of God. He's blessed many of us with so that we can make things. But we can see how backwards it is, right? Like we make a few things and now we think that we're God. You know, we can create and build these things. Ah, yeah, the tallest building in the world. Well, if there wasn't a tree, then you would never have the wood and the structures and all that stuff to make these things and convert them into what you think. You That is God. So the encouragement today really is, for us to be a little more perplexed. There's an opportunity to worship the unknownness of God in your being perplexed about the grandeur of God. I'm thinking about all the times that I'm worrying, and all the times that I'm stressing and all the times that I'm depending on the little gods that I've had around my job, those things that I have put up in a place of being my source. All those relationships or whatever, or how people are. Those little gods that we have in our life that take the place and vie for our affections over the God that created the earth, the world, and everything in it. He is a Lord of heaven and earth. And God gives you the peace when you actually submit your mind to thinking about that. Like submitting our hearts and our minds to thinking about we are only one of billions of galaxies, and that God is concerned about me. Like Job said that God stirs up the ocean. Now, come on, stop it. The ocean? I don't know if we got swimmers in here, but I don't care how good you can swim. You ain't no match for the ocean. Michael Phelps, no match for the ocean, and God stirs it up with his finger redistribute the salt and all that stuff in that ocean so that we can have life.
0: I just keep thinking about like I I don't I know you've heard of CERN. Yeah, some, go ahead. Of, some of you mm-hmm. may have heard of CERN C E R N. Um it's a group of scientists I think in Switzerland. Mm-hmm. And we're talking the smartest people on the planet at this point. Coming together and they're trying to um I don't even like these these names and words. I can't yeah. even like repeat okay. let alone know what they mean. But in a nutshell, they're trying to create um uh something that can basically create dark matter mm-hmm. and 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 figure out its origins so that they can recreate or understand how the big bang or uh that that whole theory came to be like that that mm-hmm. The basically the creation mm-hmm. of the earth. Of course, we know where it actually comes from, and I think it's so funny that they would. Uh, I think it's called the God particle. Yeah, that they're trying to find, mm-hmm. and the fact that they have to name it the God particle, and like it's so so basically you're acknowledging the fact that God is the one that actually did it, and you're trying to recreate something that has already been done. It's already been done. And you're trying to recreate it, that just, again, serves credence to the fact that he's the original and we're just in our finite intelligence. These are the smartest people. Uh, like, <laughs> yeah. I can't hold a candle to the amount of knowledge that they have, but even in their knowledge, they still are trying to chase after. And they, they can only come up with little small Millionth of a millionth of an inch of what the actual particle is, and they still haven't figured it out, because God is the one that knows the entirety of it, because He created it.
1: That sobering. it's amazing. It's sobering. It's sobering. It, it, it's sobering. So what? 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 What are, you, what are you going to say? So there's this idea of 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 like our pride, because that's what it is. It's our pride in our own understanding. It's our pride in our own mind. It's just our need for control. Yeah. It's just all these things that are blinding us from what God has already instituted for us to be able to find them. It's our desire to know or be the be the source of knowledge in our own lives be the one that we are relying on in our own lives that cause us to create this image of a participatory God, right? So a God that participates in our life, like, come on God, you help me, rather than us submitting our life to a God that has the best possible plan for our lives and we just have to go with it. And it's like, and when I say have to go with it, it's like there's this idea of, okay, My plan versus God's plan, like there's a competition, right? Like I'm going to choose my way um, and then I'm going to try. When we're talking about the God of creation who created a perfect world that is still existing now, that even the greatest minds of science are trying to figure it out, trying to understand it. And this is the God that says, I have a plan for your life. Exactly. Yep. Playing God. Yeah. Yeah. So if anything, if, if, if this particular session here is is, is going to do anything, I'm praying that it will draw us into a more humble and uh, awestruck view of the God of creation. That now, from now on, when you go outside or when you hear a thunderstorm, and you are shaken by its power. When the thunder, the sound of the thunder shakes your house. And when the lightning comes flashing and you don't know where it came from. Understanding that that's one of many storms that's going on in in the world, but it's a divine purpose and it's God's wisdom actually creating an opportunity for growth. That God is fertilizing things and all that noise. And our response should no longer just be, oh, my goodness, get inside. God is speaking. It should now mature to a place of this is a reminder that whatever God allows in my life is working for my good. And there's a divine purpose and plan behind all this noise. There's a there's a divine purpose and plan through everything that's going on in my life that's causing me to want to run and hide. Like if that's the God I'm worshiping, if that's the God of creation, he's not going to value a thunderstorm, more he values me and my life because I'm made in his image and likeness. And then you got to start going into that, like foot, like embracing as much as, 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 as God gives you the grace to the fact that God loves and cares about you and is invested in his purpose in your life. I often think about one of my favorite, um, favorite uh, books in the Bible is Job. And I think this particular part really helps to bring home the conflict that we have with dealing with our own life and then dealing with our understanding of God's involvement in it. Right. So we know the story of Job, right? Job was a righteous man, upright man. He was making sacrifices for his kids, praying for people, doing everything, whatever. And there was a conversation that happened in the supernatural realm, the spirit realm, where Satan goes to God and they start having God, Satan starts having a conversation. Hey, listen, you know. Uh, the only reason why Job is serving you is because everything is good. You got this hedge around him. You got all, uh, you know, you're blessing him and all this stuff. So, honestly, the only reason why people really trust you, God, and believe in you or even give you a shot is because you be protecting them. You know, you're favoring them. You're doing all this other stuff. So, how about you? Let me get to him. Let me cause some problems. Let me do all this other stuff to his life. And then I guarantee you, God, he's going to leave you because his relationship with you is not. Real, so you know, let's 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 just let it go. So then God says, "Okay, well, all right, I have confidence in Job because I know Job is serving me with his heart. So you can't take his life, but you can go ahead and do what you need to do." Now Job doesn't know this is happening. So for 38 chapters, first chapter, right after that, first chapter, Job lose everything: his kids, his house, his everything. He loses everything, and then he gets sick. And throughout the whole process, for the whole chat, the whole book, Job's friends come around, and they're all talking about why this could have happened. All that counsel, right? All the voices. So God is this, and God is that. God wouldn't let that happen. You must have done something wrong. You must have sinned. You must have did. You must have did. It's very similar to what the voices are saying today in our climate. This is wrong, and that's this, and this is that, and this and that, and this and that, and this and that. By the end of the chapter, by end thirty eight chapters, God begins to talking. One of the first things God says is, who is darkening my counsel with their ideas?
0: Hmm.
1: Hold everything here. Yeah, for 38 chapters, y'all was all talking, all your friends saying all these things about me. saying. And you read Job and you see all these things that people were saying. It wasn't Job talking. A lot of it was his friends talking and it was these ideas of God that was going on through the whole chapter. And God, once God starts speaking, he's like, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Who's darkening my counsel with all the ideas? Job, let me ask you some questions and see if you can answer them. And from chapter 38 to 39, God starts asking crazy questions to Job. Questions about the, the stars and, 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 and does the rain have a father? And who fathers the, the drops of the dew? And who, who's, from whose wombs does ice come from? And can you raise your voice to the clouds and cover yourself with a flood of water? Uh, you know, who, who makes the animals hunt? Who taught the horse how to stride? All these things. Oh, now, now, Job is like, I, I don't got no. Um. And, and see, Job, Job, God doesn't give Job just one chapter. God gives him 38 and 39 of questions that really cause us to be reminded that a posture of being inquisitive about God is a posture that promotes humility. That if we stop being curious about God, we will miss God. That the danger in knowing God too much is when you become too familiar. That you always got what to say about God. Now, sometimes it's, I don't know, God. I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what this is. I have no idea. And it's not for me to know. At least not right now but I know that you're the God of creation. That I do know, that I do believe, because this don't make no sense out of anybody else's. So I'm going to just stay here in my lane and just trust that you are going to take care of me because you've taken care of the stars. Like each star has a name and God knows them by name. Like It's amazing. So I pray that today, and it, that, that, that we would come into a more humble um, and worshipful posture towards the God of creation. And that something was said today, as Paul was trying to relay to the Athenians in Acts chapter 17, this reminding them that this is the God that created the world and everything in it. And not only that, he does not live on earth. You can't put him in a box. You can't put him in a man-made temple. You can't put him in a church and just say, this is the God of the church. You can't put him on an island. You can't, the the God that we're serving cannot be housed in man-made temples. You can't build a shrine for God and God, this is my new house, thanks guys. The challenge here is to keep God in the realm of the unknown that we might be able to understand him for who he is better and have more peace And rest in our lives as we're going through things. Because at the end of the day, if God takes care of the earth and everything in it, and he sits on the universe, and he is above and beyond all we could even comprehend, this same God has that much concern and care for every aspect of our Mm lives. Amen? So, Lord, we, we thank you and we praise you for this day we thank you for everything that we have seen in our time together, everything that we have heard, everything that we have felt. We thank you. We thank you, God, for reminding us that you are the God of all creation, that you made the world and everything in it, and that you cannot be contained in man-made temples. You reside in heaven. You're an eternal holy God. Thank you. And what's even more amazing about this, Lord, is you want us to know as we look into the sky and as we see nature and as we hear and, and experience the world around us that you are just that close to us and you are just that concerned about our lives. So we thank you. We ask you, Lord, to forgive us for the times that we've doubted that. Forgive us for putting our jobs and other things and our plans above in a place of a little God as our source or not fully respecting the fact that. You are our source and that your plan for us is better than any plan that we could ever have for ourselves. So Lord, we surrender our lives to you again and help us to be reassured that all things work together for the good of those who love you and who are called according to your purpose. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Before you go, we'd like to give you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Romans 9 through 10 says, that if we confess with our mouth and believe with our heart, we shall be saved. Pray this with me. Lord Jesus, I recognize and acknowledge that I am a sinner in need of your grace. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn away from my sins and ask you to forgive me and save me. I make you Lord of my life. If you made this life-changing decision, Welcome to the family. We want to know about it. Connect with us online at www.thelifehouseministries.org or by downloading the Lifehouse app. We love you all and pray God continues to bless and keep you.